When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. God knows you ain't pretty. God knows it's true. God knows there ain't anybody ever going to take the place of you. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time, proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the freewheeling Rob Kelly. And joining me once again is our pal, Eric Brightman. Hi, Eric. Hey, Rob. How are you? I am doing great. I am so excited to be talking about this song, God Knows, from 1990s Under the Red Sky, because it is one of my all-time favorite Bob Dylan songs. Maybe, if you catch me on the right day, top 10. Uh, you know, for people who don't have not been on the show here, don't know how it works. Like I let the guests pick the songs. I don't like to enforce. I don't like to say, Hey, I love the song. Why don't you talk about it? But you just randomly picked this one. I know you're a fan of this record. You were on the show before where we talked about the title track. So you're, you're a particular fan of this album, but there are other songs on this record we haven't gotten to yet. You know, most notably wiggle wiggle. Uh, but you <laughs> picked, you picked God knows. And I was so excited to finally be able to talk about this one, uh, because there's so much to say about it that I thought it would be a good show to end the year on. So this is going to be our final show of 2022. I thought, let's go out on the year on a high note. So let's talk about God knows. Awesome. Yeah. So Eric, why did you want to talk about this? So you mentioned uh, my affinity for this album, and just to, to briefly go over that, uh, when I was first getting into Bob, I had the, the first two Greatest Hits albums, but I didn't quite know where to go from there. And a friend of mine said, hey, I have his two most recent releases, one of which was Oh Mercy, the other which was Under the Red Sky. So I have a particular affinity for those two albums. Oh Mercy, of course, gets its accolades, um, but I feel Under the Red Sky is a little bit underappreciated, and I have a special affinity for that album. Um, for me, God Knows is my favorite song on the album. I think uh, we're similar in that that regard that we both really love this particular song. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of why I want to talk about it because I think this song is sort of underappreciated, and I, I think it deserves its due. Absolutely, um, I, I am a sucker for songs where Bob um, is talking to a person, at least again, how has as I perceive the song, he's talking to a person, and then he's involving. Uh, God, you know, Yahweh, whoever, the universe, whatever you want to say, he's involving that in the process. I always find that to be a, a really heady combination, whether it's like, a, you know, covenant woman, you know, where he's talking to this woman, but he's bringing in the the, the almighty in the process. And it, it, to me, it's just, it can be an incredibly powerful um, motif. And this is, is that, and he's talking to this person, first of all, the, you know, the opening line, God knows you ain't pretty, which is <laughs> like one of the most interesting opening lines, you know, he's to say to somebody, you know, God knows you ain't pretty. Well, okay. Well, I have, a, I, have he, a, I have a, sorry, I have a read on that, which is, oh, go right ahead. I, I think there's something implied there. So for me, I have a very benign view of this song. And I think it's uh my overall view of the song is what he's saying. God knows, you know, you're going through life struggles. God knows it's a struggle. God knows it's okay. Everything's going to be okay because God knows. But I think that first line, he he certainly has taken some flack I've seen in certain quarters for that line. But to me, there's an implied you think. So to me, it's God knows, quote unquote, you think you ain't pretty. God knows, mm-hmm. quote unquote, it's true. So, you know, he's speaking to that person who thinks they ain't pretty, you know, or, or or you know, or something like that, and and God knows that you think you aren't pretty. Right. He's not saying there. He's not saying you're not. He's saying you think you're not. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Which is great. And again, and then and then even if he does kind of throw that as a little bit of a side thing, it, that line is no one's a- anybody ever going to take the place of you. Well, that's 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 an amazing thing to hear from somebody. You know, right. like it's an amazing compliment. And again, I love the motif of it is that it's. Every not it's not every verse um, because there's the third verse he kind of changes a little but pretty much every three of four lines is God knows God knows God knows God knows and it's a very very rigid structure for him to force himself to work into but because then you're talking about that you're trying to put across whatever you're trying to put across with maybe three more words two more words you know incredibly this this is uh as we talked about on on the under under the red sky episode and other episodes where we've talked about these songs um he's going for something very specific with this record very specific very different from oh mercy and as you say oh mercy gets all the plaudits as it deserves absolutely because of when it came and but people 
I don't know how many times he has to do this for people to finally get it. He's never, almost never going to do another record of the thing you just liked. That he does, he doesn't right. do that, you know. And then the times he does do that, it's like the Sinatra covers where maybe people weren't asking for more of that. And he's like, well, here's more of it. But, <laughs> you know, oh, mercy it was like, oh, he's back. He's finally doing the kind of stuff we want him to be doing, not the stuff he did in the mid 80s. So, oh, he's got another record right after oh, mercy. It's going to be more of oh, mercy. No, it's going to be completely different from oh, mercy. <laughs> So, yeah, they said the second verse is God knows it's a struggle. God knows it's a crime. God knows there are going to be no water but fire next time. God don't call it treason. God don't call it wrong. It was supposed to last a season, but it's been so strong for so long. So in your mind, Eric, like what's what's he talking about? What how what does this mean to you? Well, it, it, it's funny. Um, when we were first talking about doing this show, I had sort of an, an, an epiphany and uh, the epiphany occurred. Uh, and specifically with these lines, and I'll get to it in a second, but the epiphany happened to me in the place where most epiphanies happen. It happened while I was at church. And um, the reading for that day was uh, Matthew chapter 3, um, verse 1 through 12, uh, but specifically uh, verse 11. And I, I've got it here because it specifically ties into this line, and I was I was blown away by this. So in, in this uh, particular reading, uh, it, it's from the point of view of John the Baptist, and for those who don't know, John the Baptist is sort of a precursor to Jesus. And he's the person who actually baptized Jesus uh, in the New Testament. And in in this uh, verse, John the Baptist says, and here's a quote now, it says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So John the Baptist will baptize you with water. The one who comes after me has the fire. And I was there's not going to be water, but fire next time. And I'm like, that can't be a coincidence. We know how Bob, how much Bob is into the Bible, how much he quotes the Bible, how much he, you know, he's read the Bible in depth. I just, I just drew a line between that verse and that verse in the Bible. It, it just seems like, I don't know. It seems like a no brainer to me. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, um, I remember at the time uh, reading that someone thought that he was referring to James Baldwin's book, the fire next time. Which oh. is about the 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 um, burgeoning civil rights movement. I actually, this is the kind of free time I had back then. I went and read that book just because <laughs> of that line in the song. Again, I you know I was all in at that point. I I will say I can't. I don't remember much from it. I think I was of an age where I just wasn't able to really appreciate it. But I did read it. I genuinely went to the bookstore and I bought it. Wow. Because I yeah I was like okay well maybe Bob's trying to you know maybe I'll have a deeper understanding of the song. Uh, by reading this whole song, it's a slim book. It's only a couple of like 150 pages of it, but I did. So Bob sent, Bob got me to read a book I probably would not have normally have read. Um, but this song, it, it's so, I mean, again, it starts with this kind of personal back and forth between Bob and this, or the, again, the, I keep doing that, the, the singer and this person, but then he, you know, he macros out and he starts talking about huge things. I mean, if you're talking about, there's going to be an apocalypse. There's not going to be more water, but fire next time. Mm. And then God don't call treason. God don't call it wrong. We're supposed to last the season, but it's been so strong for so long. Is that in your mind when I when I read those lines again? Is that um, I always take it as the the wickedness of the earth is been going on for so long. It's God doesn't call it treason. Uh, that's you know. It's like, well, it doesn't, if something, if something could even be mistaken for treason, it's probably a bad thing. God doesn't call it wrong because God isn't judging, but it was supposed to last the season. Like this wickedness was supposed to come and go, but it's been so strong for so long. Like it's this wickedness is just covering over the earth and it's only going to be gotten rid of by fire next time, which again, <laughs> it seems these songs are deceptively upbeat because they, they sound peppy. But then you get into get the lyrical content, and you're like, "This is some, yeah." There's a lot of grim stuff going on here. Yeah, and 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 sort of like I was saying before, God knows that it's mm -hmm. that what's going on. You know, God knows all of this wickedness is is going on in the world, and he's he's he'll he'll, he'll take care of you. You know, he may, you know it may not be the way we want with you know the hand of God coming down to smite the evil, but uh, God is watching over all. I think is the is the you know despite the the evil and, and horribleness that we've seen. 
Right. It's not the uh, the lightning bolt in uh, Drifter's Escape, which we just talked about a couple of weeks ago. It's this is it. You know, it's it's a more removed God. Uh, the next verse, he says, God knows it's fragile. God knows everything. God knows it could snap apart right now, just like putting scissors to a string. God knows it's terrifying. God sees it all unfold. There's a million reasons for you to be crying. You've been so bold and so cold. Again, now he's going back to the sort of personal thing. I This person is struggling mightily, I would say. Again, this is how I took it when I heard it. Like this person is struggling mightily. You've been, they've been trying for so hard. They've been, you've been so bold and so cold. And again, God is, it's like a reassuring God is there for you. God is going to be there for you despite all of your problems. So again, it's grim, but then it's also, a, it's, it's a God that is pretty far removed from the fire and brimstone God. Although he just mentions fire, of course, earlier, mm. but it's not the fire and brimstone vengeful God of slow train coming or saved. It's a more gentle God, which, you know, uh, I can, I can subscribe to that. Absolutely. As a, as a, as a church going uh, boy myself, I certainly like this version of Bob's quote unquote religious songs. I mean, someone could make an argument that this is the, is a religious song in the, not in the same type of, the slow train coming saved fire and brimstone type, but it certainly has its, has its religious songs, a different point of view of religion than those. And as someone who, who uh, ha- has a relationship with God, I much prefer this version of it's okay, rather than there's a slow train coming, right. you know, as much as right. I love that song, you know, um, but, but I, I do want to point out you, you and go back a little bit to the point where he says, just like putting scissors to a string, mm-hmm. because to me, this is the linchpin of the song. And I want to, I want to turn it for a moment from the, from the lyrics to, to the sound of the song. Because at that point, that's the point where it goes from the sort of strumming acoustic. It's been building, building, building mm-hmm. to this point. And then all of a sudden, that Stevie Ray Vaughan comes in like a shot, that blues guitar. And to me, that's the that's the most one of the most thrilling musical breaks in, in all of Dylan. I, I hear that. And I, I, I'm, when you, I hear the beginning of the song, I'm waiting for that blues <laughs> guitar to kick in. <laughs> and it's I just find it so, so thrilling. And, I love Steve Ray Vaughan. Um, I I was you know doing some research for the episode. And I, I was surprised to find out he actually passed away a month before the album was released. You know, um, I, did, I knew it was very close to that. I didn't know it was even before the record had come out. I knew that it was around that time. I remember hearing about. Him. Yeah, and he died. Uh, he died tragically, of course, in a helicopter accident, mm-hmm. and it was so uh, so terrible. But I love Steve Ray Vaughan. I there was an album that came out about a year after Under the Red Sky called The Sky Is Crying. And the lead track off of that album is just amazing. I would encourage anybody to uh, to seek it out. But I, I remembered there was a story about when Steve Ray Vaughan came in to record with Bob. And I, I went through and I picked up my Clinton Halen. And I know that uh, Halen has a reputation these days uh, amongst Dylan people. But uh, the, the section I'm going to read here isn't Halen. It's, it's a quote from Don Was. And I found this extremely interesting. So I'm going to read this here. Don Was quotes... Uh, the personnel for the first session was Stevie Ray and Jimmy Vaughn, Dave Lindley, and Kenny Aronoff. I played bass, and Bob was set up at the piano. He walked in, and Stevie walked up to him. I don't think they'd ever met before, and he said, hi, I'm Stevie Ray Vaughn. But Stevie didn't have his hat on, and Bob was just like, yeah, sure, and kept going. <laughs> and then he saw Jimmy, and he flipped, and then he saw Lindley. Then he realized it was Stevie Ray, and he went back, and he was very warm and very excited about having Stevie Ray on the record. So classic Bob Dylan, right? Exactly. <laughs> Hi, I'm Steve. Yeah, sure. What? Whatever. Okay, you can go over there. <laughs> is that something that happens to him a lot? Is that people come up and claim they are famous musicians when uh, they're not? Is that something that really Bob has to guard himself against? Hi, I'm. You know, like really? <laughs> well, um, he, that, hey, I mean, he probably just has people coming up to. I mean, to be Bob Dylan, can only imagine. You know, the amount of yeah. people coming up to him. You know, saying, "Hey, Bob, remember when we met in the village in '63?" No, no, I don't remember that. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, but I mean, it's he's in the studio. <laughs> like, what did you know? What did the guy just wander in? What did he outcooper it? I mean, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, I, I was thinking about that. How how much I look forward to that musical break when it happens, and mm-hmm. I was trying to think, go through some of some of uh, other musical moments in Bob's songs. You know, there's tons of lyrical moments that that you know make you tingle when you hear them. But some of the musical ones I, I was thinking through, I, I jotted down a quick list. You know, we previously talked about under the red sky with George Harrison and how, how, how much we enjoy that mm. musical break. And then there's, you'd recently talked about the saxophone and where teardrops fall. I think that's mm-hmm. a, also yeah, a similar, similar there, break. Yeah. 
You got Mark Knopfler on Precious Angel. I love his licks there. The saxophone on Changing of the Guards. And then I, the other ones I thought of were a bunch of harmonica breaks, like, the, for instance, the closing to Shooting Star, which is an mm-hmm. amazing harmonica break. The, the closing to Tangled Up in Blue, of course, a famous harmonica break. Um, the beginning of All Along the Watchtower, another great musical moment. But, or uh, another personal favorite of mine is the harmonica solo during Joker Man. So oftentimes, I think when we think about Bob, we think about the great lyrical moments that 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 we identify with. But this song has maybe my favorite musical break of all of them. When that wow, okay. when that kicks in, it, it's an interesting way to structure the song. Is that you've got you know you're what like four verses into the song and you're still just kind of waiting for everybody to start. You can kind of hear you know people you know they're kind of just yep. getting ready and then it kicks that far into the song because this is not a long song. Yep. On top of it, it's like like three minutes or something, or me a little bit longer than that, but it's not a long song. So, yeah, it's funny that they're all just kind of – and I wonder what – why – how did it work out that way? Were they all, like, looking for Bob to give them a signal to start, or were they all – like, why why wait that long? I mean, what is it about that line that's this that's the thing where you go, but then it – you know, and then yeah. it kicks into it. It's an interesting. That's that line is a great line, but it doesn't feel like it's lyrically some sort of, as you said, linchpin to the song. But it, it clearly is because that's when it really kicks into gear. So I don't, I don't know if I have the answer as to why that kicks in, but there's another quote here in the in the Halen book about why that happened that way. Again, another quote from Was again, where he says, "When Bob sang his first vocal on God Knows, I thought, oh man, he sounds real nasal. It doesn't have that full rich tone that I was hoping for." Fortunately, before asking him to sing again, I tried stripping the track down so the rhythm guitar to the rhythm guitar and his vocals, and voila, it sounded like the same voice that was singing on another side. I, that may be a bit of hyperbole, but okay. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't that he hadn't sung well. It was that the snare drum and the guitar were playing in the same total range with the warmth that his voice was. I thought, that's what's been going on in these records. So Don was apparently solved all the issues we have with Knocked Out, Loaded, and Down in the Groove uh, in that <laughs> moment. But uh, <laughs> uh, that's, I guess that's part of the reason why, why that happened that way. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, that's what a producer is supposed to do. You know, I mean, they're supposed to yeah. kind of uh, hear what the, the musician wants to get to and helps them get there. Uh, I mean, again, I like his singing on those other 80s records, but it's very different. It's just a very different style than what than what you've got going here. Uh, the, the next verse says, God knows that when you God knows that when you see it, God knows you've got to weep. God knows the secrets of your heart. He'll tell them to you when you're asleep. I mean, that is. That's, you know, like a great four lines in any song. If I think any other songwriter writes those lines, you're like, yeah, I'm good. I, I did yeah. it. I, I, wrote, I wrote something really brilliant. I'm good to God, go now. The line, God knows the secrets of your heart. It'll tell him she's asleep. I mean, the poetry there, that's that's the line in the song for me. That's that's the secret of the song right there to me. It's just it's just amazing. Yeah. I mean, we like to think about uh, when we get weird. Do you get weird dreams? Do you, do you dream much at all? Uh, I, I'm one of those people that has trouble remembering my dreams for the most mm. part. Um, but I do have, I mean, everyone has weird dreams from time to time. Sure. Yeah. I get, I get little fragments of things and it doesn't make any, you know, it doesn't make any sense at all. And when you're trying to explain it to somebody, it always sounds absurd. Like you're trying to be funny because you're mentioning weird elements and it's like, no, I don't know why my subconscious chose to be, you know what I mean? Like I had a dream the other night where Jane Fonda was in it. Like, what? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have any like particular connection to her and I don't have no dislike for her at all. She's a good <laughs> actress, but I, I don't, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, well, she was a, in there. It's like, some, what? Somewhere there's a secret in your heart where maybe you're I, a huge <laughs> Barbarella fan or something, <laughs> something. I don't understand. I don't know what's going on. It's very, very strange. Um, so it continues on. God knows there's a river. God knows how to make it flow. God knows you ain't going to be taking nothing with you when you go. Well, all right. Clearly another sort of reference to the great beyond, you know, all the, all the earthly treasures. You're not going to be able to take them with you anyway. God knows. Now this, 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 this line, this verse, God knows there's a purpose. God knows there's a chance. God knows you can rise above the darkest hour of any circumstance. That to me is. That's one of the best. That's one of the greatest things he's ever written. Mm-hmm. I, I I find that to be an incredibly powerful um, sentiment. It reminds me of a lot of his speech at the ninety one Grammys, where yes. he said, "You know, uh, we've talked. We did an episode about that Masters of War performance, but where he says, 
you know, you can be so defiled that the, your own mother and father will abandon you. If that happens, God will always believe in your own ability to mend your own ways. Mm. Um, which was one of those things that when I heard it, it didn't, it, it, I was like, what, you know, like I didn't understand it. And then over time I thought, oh my God, that's one of the most profound things I've ever heard somebody say uh, on television. And then here he's kind of done. This of course precedes that, but it's the same kind of idea. Not that God is going to do the work for you. God has faith that you're going to figure it out. It's all inside of you and you can do it. You can I mean it is a little motivational speakery, but to me it's 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 that in a good way. Um, and it's the idea of that you can rise above the darkest hour of any circumstance is it covers everything. It covers everything you could f- face in your life. And the idea that you know you don't need to wait for God to come down and and help you out. You have it in your own heart and mind to to prevail. Uh, that's just an amazing, it's an amazing thing to, to say. And, you know, Bob, he's known by people that, that don't follow him obsessively as we do as like, you know, kind of grim, you know, oh, he's thinking about, oh, we sing about injustice or whatever. And we all know that he can be, Bob can also be very funny and he can be very sweet and can be very romantic, but he also, when he wants to be, can be amazingly positive. And by the fact that it comes from someone who isn't just uh, there to make you smile all the time, when he does engage in this sort of in this sort of thing, um, to me, it's it's just amazing. It's really it really makes you like uh, as as uh, our great friend Tara Zook said once, like it, it makes you stand a little straighter. It makes you walk a little taller. Um, by the way, as we're recording this, it is, it is her birthday, by the way. Um, uh, happy birthday, and, Tara. Happy birthday, Tara. And, uh, but I mean, really, I, I've, I have heard that, I, that I've quoted that verse to people, um, just as a, just as a piece of writing. I just think it's so absolutely brilliant. Well, it's, it's, it's a, much like a lot of the best Dylan. It's extremely profound, it, but it's also very inspiring. You know, as, yeah. as you mentioned, I, I, I find the whole whole song, you know, as I mentioned, I have a very positive view of the song, despite the some of the darkness that portends, the, you know, of what's going on in the world. And I, I, I find uh, the last several verses that, that we've been talking about here extremely inspiring. And, and also, <laughs> again, going back to the mu- musicality of it for a minute, since the, the musical break we talked about earlier, everything's been sort of building up and building up. And mm-hmm. Bob's voice is a little bit lower. The guitars are going a little bit louder. It's sort of building up. You know, and, and God knows there's a purpose. God knows there's a chance. God knows you could. And the other thing he does here, which is he's more known for in concert, but the way he fits a lot of lines, fits a lot of words into a line that they don't really fit. Where he <laughs> just, God knows you can rise above the darkest hour under any circumstance. <laughs> he, he, like he, he crunches a bunch to then stretch the remaining ones out. Yeah. And I, I love that. So that's, I, it fits the song perfectly. And I, <laughs> I love that. Uh, and then, but then they make the curious choice. I don't know who did this, whether it was Don was or the, the, the engineer, but they actually fade out while he's still singing, yeah. which is very, very uh, unique for a Bob Dylan song. There's only a handful of you could ever hear. And even then, usually the fade outs are over a chorus. So you know what the words are, but you're, you actually, he's actually singing new lines and the, he ends with God knows there's a heaven. God knows it's out of sight. God knows we can get all the way from here to there, even when we have to walk a million miles by candlelight. Uh, and then you hear him saying, God knows. And it, it, the song just goes on. And it's like, I, I want to, like, where, where does the song really end? I want to, I want to hear that part. Why did, why did they fade out on these words? That's like the song's only what, three minutes and five or yeah. something like that. And I, I want to hear five minutes and five. I could hear much more. Don't fade yeah. out. Like, keep, keep it going. It's yeah. similar, similar to the ending of Under the Red Sky where it fades out on the, on the um, George's guitar solo, this this the same. Like we, I want I want to hear more. You can hear, you know, one of the things. Also, we talked about under the red sky. I always turn it up at the end so I can get every last note yeah. of that guitar solo. <laughs> same thing here. Like you can hear, yeah, him singing in the background a little bit more. I, the only thing I can can guess is that maybe the end of it got fouled up, and they said, "Okay, well, let's just turn it down." <laughs> I, I, but I don't. No. It, it makes it, it makes zero sense. 
I mean, it, in terms of the, the 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 lyrical content, it is this this verse is a little similar to the one that just preceded it. The idea of you know, there's a heaven, there's a, it's out of sight. We can we can get there, uh, even though we have to walk a million miles by candlelight. It's it's good. It's it's a little more. It's it's not, it's not as profound as the previous one, but it, it is trotting a little bit of the same ground. But I still like it, and it's kind of got of a communal sense to it, which I really like. So yeah, it is sort of baffling for a record that's not that long. Under the Red Sky is not that long of a record. It's not like, you know, some other albums of his where they've literally had to trim in the days before CDs. They literally had to trim songs because they just couldn't fit it on a vinyl record or on a cassette. You know, they, they were like, look, we just there's no room here. Um, yeah, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. That no. they did that. <laughs> there was but, no trimming needed under the Red Sky. No, I think there's no. one, you know, Handy Dandy's probably the longest song or, you know, or at four and something. So. Yeah, it's very, very, very strange. Now, one of the other things that makes this song so unique is, well, there's a couple things. First of all, it was originally written for Oh Mercy, and then he held it over for Under the Red Sky. Now we have, we've had, you know, a number of examples of him doing that going back to the early sixties, but it's still relatively unique. Uh, and, and when you talk about the you know, hundreds of songs he's recorded, there's probably, maybe a dozen or so that you can think of that, that were written for one album. And then he held it over for another album. That's still relatively rare, but here he did it for Lanois on Oh Mercy. And then they held it over and then they tried it again uh, for under the red sky and the versions that exist. One of them is on the bootleg series, volume eight telltale signs. It is a completely different song. I mean, it is a completely different song. I mean, and uh, I'll give you the context for when I I didn't know that I didn't know any other versions of this existed until one day in the 90s I went to I was in New York and I went to Generation Records down in the village which was the store where I picked up a lot of Dylan bootlegs and was the store that really helped me deepen and broaden my love of the work because I had now access to bootlegs I'd never had before and I bought this bootleg CD and it was just all like oh mercy tracks you know all stuff like that and they had two versions of God knows uh, with harmonica in it and the lines. And I was not, first of all, the tune is completely different and the lyrics are mostly completely different. And I simply was not prepared for this. So now I, I could not find any official uh, version online anywhere of these alternate lyrics. So I sat and listened to the song and transcribed it because I <laughs> well, wanted to <laughs> I actually did the same thing. <laughs> right. Cause I wanted to, I wanted to read these. So th- this, this, this is the other version. He says, God knows I need you. God knows I do. God knows there ain't nobody going to take the place of you. God knows I can take it. God knows I care. God knows that everybody got to have someone in the world somewhere. God knows there's an answer. God knows it's all in place. God knows it might be working right now, looking at us, looking at us right square in the face. Ain't no rhyme or reason. I know it can't be wrong. It was supposed to last the season, but it's been so strong for so long. God knows I'm ready. God knows you're hard to find. God knows you're standing right there before my very eyes, messing up my mind. And he goes back to the ain't no rhyme or reason. And then God knows there's a purpose. God knows there's a chance. God knows we can rise above the darkest hour of any circumstance. So, the only, you know, the ain't no rhyme or reason is in here, but the the uh, darkest hour of any circumstance verse made it from this version to the later version, which he knew you got to keep that one in there. That's really, <laughs> it's really good. But this, to me, this version is one of his most unabashedly upbeat romantic songs. And I will say that when I heard this version, uh, again, it was in the 90s, I was... To, to not to put to find a point on it, I was very lonely. I didn't have someone in my life, and I was worried that I ever would. Someone in their twenties worrying about that such a thing, but nevertheless, and for Bob to put something so relentlessly positive in a song, even though it was a bootleg, was amazingly powerful for me. I mean, it really was the kind of thing I needed to hear from the right person at the right time. And the, the verse about God knows I could take it. God knows I care. God knows that everybody got to have someone in the world somewhere. It made me feel less lonely. It really did. And even though that's not the version he chose to go with, um, I still felt like, you know, even, even on a bootleg, he's getting, he's, he's getting his message to me 
in a way um, that I would not, you know, they wouldn't expect. And I sort of just found accidentally through this bootleg in a record store in New York. But man, um, I, I can't, I can't argue that the version on the record isn't better because I think it is. It's a more complete song. And I think it's probably lyrically more interesting. But God knows I love this alternate version. <laughs> it just, it, it, it makes me get misty because I think it's just so beautiful and positive. And, uh, I just, I completely love it. Well, as you mentioned, you know, got this version, the, the telltale signs version or the, or the alternate version, more of an unabashed love song for sure. Yeah. And you know, one thing we haven't discussed, there's a very well known song that, that's similar, that has a similar title to God knows. God only knows by the God Beach only Boys. knows. Yeah. Of course, one of the greatest pieces of popular music i think of all time that god Abs- only knows. Ag- agree every yeah. anytime you hear it you get chills i think for me yep so yep. i when i read when i was reading the lyrics to this version i'm like that's that reminds me of god only knows it's you know god only knows what i do without you you know mm-hmm. god knows there ain't anybody ever going to take the place of you <laughs> yep yeah it's uh, uh for me the the other thing about the the telltale signs version i like the album version better because as i mentioned how much i like you know steve ray vaughn's uh, guitar into play on the album version but the telltale signs version has that bass that that's just not as pleasing to my ear as the the under the red sky version so mm-hmm. i while the album version I, I think is superior there's certainly a lot of merit to this version as as you say yeah and i can't for the life of me imagine this on oh mercy like just sonically lyrically like i just cannot imagine where this would have fit on oh mercy so it makes sense that they would have uh he would have left it off i mean just it just doesn't fit at all um the ver- I, think, I have i think we could say that this is one of the times where he actually made the right choice at least yes song off of yes he made a lot of later yeah yeah there was there were some other songs that definitely should have made it on oh mercy <laughs> that did not but but this one i i i can see what what he was thinking um the version i again the, there's two bootleg versions there's one that has harmonica uh which i really like that one's really fun and he also sings the lines a little different he he doesn't he kind of like puts less uh, he leans in a little less on the darkest hour of any circumstance. He says it in a more flat way, which I actually kind of like. I think he's just letting the words to sort of do the work for him, as opposed to trying to put them across by singing them. But uh, but man, it's when when Bob is in a romantic mood, man, he is just he can do it. You know, <laughs> he can really do it. He's a smooth talker for sure. <laughs> oh, holy jeez, you know. And so again, I I dug out those versions to listen to them, and I just it it brought me back to that time of like. God, this guy, he's got some song for every possible occasion. And in my mind, I know that they really are two very distinct songs. And so when I say this is like a top 10 song for me, I think I'm mostly talking about the bootleg series version Mm -hmm. than the one on Under the Red Sky. But I also listen to them kind of almost interchangeably because, again, that theme is there. The God knows is still there. And you've got the circumstance line. And it's just it's. I think about like, oh, this is where his head was in 1991. And I wasn't there in 1991. I wasn't ready to, I, I was ready for that message later. Um, but I go, when I go back and I listen to this, I'm like, yeah, that's, I can, I can tap into that feeling that he had. And again, it was just so, so powerful. Now, live wise, he only basically, he, the, the version that's on uh, Telltale Signs, he discarded. I mean, definitively discarded because the live version, which has been, he's done it 188 times, which is actually a little more than I would have expected. He's been doing it from 91 and then he stopped in 2006. It's the version from Under the Red Sky. That's the version he sings. Um, Now, I went to YouTube and I found a bunch of versions of them and they don't have that Stevie Ray thing, uh, exactly, at least the ones I heard, don't have that same kind of sound to them um but uh but i liked what i heard i liked the versions what did you think of them? i, I so, assumed you've heard some of them oh yeah I've, i i went back and checked i've been lucky enough to see him play it i think once uh in 93 he oh, was really? mostly played i think in that 93 94 95 time frame um my favorite version of it is from the woodstock 94 set list which is a a great set that anyone oh, that's, it's that's re- yeah yeah the yeah, whole yeah. thing's out there on youtube and to me, that's my the favorite live version that I've ever heard. Some of the other live versions don't quite live up. However, I do remember at that '93 concert, I went 
uh, with a buddy of mine who went to many Dylan concerts with me. He wasn't a Dylan head like I, but he did have a lot of appreciation in a lot of the albums and so forth. And I remember after the show, he was commenting, he goes, on the album, we get Steve Ray Vaughan. And in person, we get Bob doing his little gritty uh, guitar solos in the middle. That, that was the period where Bob was doing those little gritty guitar solos where the band would jam out, sort of a Grateful Dead type of thing mm-hmm. uh, at the time. But uh, yeah, uh, most of the live versions, I, I don't I don't think, as you mentioned, I don't think they quite live up musically, but that one at Woodstock, I think, is perfect. And that's I think that's my favorite version of it live for sure. And it's interesting. If you look at that set list, the Woodstock set list, there's only two songs not from the 60s. Yes, in that God, entire set list, and God knows is one of them. God knows, and of course, Joker Man being the other. Yeah, that's... Joker Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? I now that I'm looking at these set lists, I'm like, okay, some of these shows I've been to, so I must have heard him do some of these live as well. Because <laughs> uh, they talk about the Rosalind Ballroom in 1994. I'm like, I went to that show, so uh, <laughs> I saw that one as well. But yeah, so he's. It's not a song that he's. You know, he he has done a whole lot, and again, obviously, it's the Under the Red Sky version. The album version is the one that he's. Uh, presumably happiest with um because again he he discarded this this original version again which is which is such a darn chip now again it, i'm happy that they dug it out for telltale signs that we got to hear it at least officially i had already heard it because i had the bootleg but i was glad it finally got um for the version i had was very very had a lot of like like um, hiss on it and stuff so i was glad it was obviously a lower quality so i was glad to get it kind of cleaned up Nice well, version kind, of it. That, that's the kind of thing we see with Bob Alaria. A song evolves over time, even to this day. The, the, the uh, songs that aren't on, uh, you know, the latest album on the 2022 tour, they're all played completely different than the album versions. Think, think of how "Gotta Serve Somebody" has evolved over the years, and now it's yeah. this, this boogie version that they call it, right? And it's completely different from the album version. I, and I, those past versions, they just don't exist anymore. And then you got the all the lyric changes in the Mondo Scripto series and everything, and those those prior versions kind of get discarded. And these he keeps these songs going as a living, breathing thing, and they just keep changing. It's just it's 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 mind blowing. Yeah, I mean the right the way he regards. It. I mean, he said it's the kind of thing where you could imagine one day he would pull out the old version just for, just for giggles. I was like, okay, you know what? I have yeah. these other vert or or merge the two of them together because again, obviously, there's a he knew some lines to keep, you know. Um, but again, go you know the the uh, again back to that that original version when he says when it, the the line about it, he says God knows it might be working right now, looking at us right square in the face. I always sometimes. Like you don't see the things in front of you for what they are. You know, it's like the whole forest for the trees thing. And again, that was another line that I really related to because it's like this thing that you want is, is the, the thing. And it goes back again to the, the, I think the theme of that God knows you can fix your own life, that everything is there in front of you. You know, it's, it's, it's may not be in a, like a literal sense, but like all the tools are at your, your disposal. It's a very powerful thing. I already said that, but it's a, it's a very powerful message to hear. I think from someone who comes across as such an authoritative figure at this point, you know, Bob's seen so much and he's done so much and he's succeeded in so many different venues that having someone say that, like, okay, all the answers are in front of you. You know where to look for them. Again, it's, it's like in some weird motivational speakery way. <laughs> it's <laughs> you know um i know again i'm 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 kind of butchering this a little bit because again i'm kind of lost in my own thoughts i'm i'm going i'm thinking back to the, uh, the the moment i had in my apartment of listening to the cd and putting this on and going oh god knows there's another version of it I, and i'm expecting to hear a mildly different version than the one on under the red sky and then as you as you talk about how the the album version it takes a couple of verses to kick in and then this one goes ka-chung, ka-chung, like it goes right <laughs> from the very beginning and i was like what is this what is this you know what i mean but it's like i have some weird sense memory of hearing it for the first time like i can remember the chair i was in that's mm-hmm. how powerful it was and the fact that again he can still he can do that with stuff that was not even officially released it's that's the thing it's like god this guy it's just as uh, Pete Townsend said, he's quantum. Like it's just quantum. Like yeah. I can't even <laughs> give me wrap my head around how much he can put into what seems like a, a you know a few lines. And he does the thing again on this version where you talk about where he's 
you know, jamming a ton of words into that one line. Cause you look at, you know, God knows I could take it. God knows I care. Very short lines. And then God knows that everybody got to have someone in the world somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, the best version of that is on the, is on that telltale side. Right? Where it's like, God knows everybody we're working right now. Looking this right straight in the face. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, there are very few people that can get away with that, that it wouldn't just sound totally <laughs> wrong, but he's, it's like an old bluesman's trick. You know, he does that kind of thing where like you stretch this out. So you have time later on for the, the, the next verse. And so, man, it's, I just, I just get like a stupid smile on my face when I when I listen to the song because again it is so. Uh, for a song like the Under the Red Sky version, which talks about you know essentially Armageddon, <laughs> which is kind of a dark thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, again, if depending on your theological point of view, you can just set that part aside and just say, well, you know, this is this is about uh, God having faith and you being able to. Do, Climb whatever mountain you need to climb, whatever it is, whatever mountain that is. It could be to, for some people, it could be a very small mountain for you. It could be a huge mountain, but you have the faith to do it. God knows he is the, you know, we can walk a million miles by candlelight. It, it's again, it's uh, really one of his more upbeat songs. And I don't think it's known as that. And it's certainly not one of his most famous tunes. No, no, not by any stretch. I don't, I, I don't think it appears on any greatest hits or collection at all, other than the telltale signs that I can think of. Yeah, and I didn't see any, um, there might be some, but I did not discover any covers by anybody online. So, again, this is just not, wow. some, you know, yeah. I mean, again, the fact, guys, the fact that there's any Bob song that is not a cover of is, I mean, maybe there is that we just don't know about, but that, right. yeah, that's amazing that, that we couldn't even find one. Yeah, it really is. And it's, it's it's really, really wonderful song, and it just sits right in the middle of side two there on Under the Red Sky. And, again, it just... You know, uh, <laughs> it makes me so happy to do the song. I was, I've been contemplating for next year doing like uh, having a poll of asking people for like their top 10 Dylan songs or something. And do you ever measure songs like that? Do you bother or does it change with, you know, time or whatever I don't day think somebody ever, asks you? Yeah, I don't think I've ever quite made a list. God knows it's pro- probably on it, if not, or close to my top 10 for sure. I, I'm with you on that one. I absolutely love it. I, when I hear it, you talked about, you know, your sense memory when you heard it. And I still remember that cassette that I got from my buddy, putting it in listening to that, laying in my bed with my Walkman on listening to, to God knows. So I, I don't know that I ever make a list, um, but I, maybe one day when I have a little bit more time on my hands and, you know, I'm, I'm sitting around the house looking at all my CDs. And go, let's, maybe let's figure out what the top 10 actually is. But he keeps coming out with more albums. I mean, that's the other problem. Well, that, that's the other problem is that I was thinking about that uh, in preparation for this episode. And I was like, well, OK, this song here and this and that. And then I was like, yeah, but now Key West is in there. You know, is in the 10 and I'm like, well, it wasn't, that doesn't mean the song that might've been at number 10 before is any less good of a song. It's just, no. I didn't hear key, key West didn't exist until two years ago, but now it's gotta be in there. So yeah, it's, it's never, it's never, the, the, I, I have like, I think a pretty hard and set top five and then five and then six through 10 change. You know, did they just cut it more like, oh, that one, maybe that one a little less, that one a little more. It kind of just, you know, it is sort of an amorphous thing, but God knows, like I said, is it's, it, it's, you know, it's up there. It's really up there because I said it, it, it has lost none, even though, um, uh, the, the sort of despair that I was feeling when that Bob helped me out of, at least for the moment, I'm, I don't, I don't have that despair anymore, thankfully. But it's still, I can recall that time and I can then feel good about the fact that that time is gone. You know, it's like, I can recall it and be like, oh yeah, I remember hearing this and how sad I was and how Bob helped me through that really tough moment. And I'm, things are better off now. And here, yeah, I got out of that dark circumstance. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. (laughs) You know, you you talked about, you know, your memories with this stuff. And, you know, I'm a person who's seen approximately, I think it was 28 concerts over the years and uh, you know, you mentioned Tara earlier. A good friend of mine went to many of those concerts with me, and he's no longer with us, unfortunately. Mm. But I, I think of you know in 1993 when, when we went to that show, or you know, you know 1995, 98. Here's where we were and what we were doing and when we went to this show, and it just you know kind of marking our lives with this with this guy. The you know the amount of thought and effort and and emotion that he's wrung out of us. It's just it's it's mind boggling. And then he you know we were talking about 
he keeps putting out stuff or he keeps putting out versions of songs that we already like that are better than the ones we already heard. You know, like yeah. when, I hear, when I hear too late, I foot of pride was already one of my favorite songs. Then too late comes out. And I go, <laughs> that's better than foot of pride. What, where do I, what do I do with that? Do they both yeah, make the right. list or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, that's, that's funny. They use the phrase. What do I do with that? that I do feel like that sometimes where you're just like, all right, now I got to deal with this. Now what, you know, this wasn't in my life because now think of, I mean, I think collectively we, we, the Bob Dylan fandom, uh, if you can speak for like, like it's not like it's a, a you know monolithic, but the general reaction to Rough and Rowdy Ways was this is damn good. I don't really know that many people that are big fans that are like, I don't like that record. And so we all know, though, in our heart of hearts, that there's a bootleg series coming at some point, right? It might be five years from now, it might be ten, it might be twenty. But at some point, there'll be the Rough and Rowdy Ways bootleg series. And then we're going to find out, oh, here's this alternate version of, uh, you know, Key West as a merengue. And it's like, <laughs> and it's awesome. You know, <laughs> so. well, I think Key West is another one of the ones where he probably put the right version on the record because that, that version is pretty flawless. But but yeah, I mean, but how many times have you said that about other songs? Though? True. When you said that about Foot of Pride, true. right? Very true. So. Very, very true. I, I again, I can't argue with you that the version of God Knows on Under the Red Sky is inferior to the Bootleg series because I think the Bootleg series one is just simpler. It just has less to it than the one that ended up on the record. I think the one lyrically, the one on the record is more interesting. Yes, and as you say, it's got Stevie Ray Vaughan playing on it, and it's got that interplay with the musicians in a way that the other one does not. Um, so I, you know, as much as you can objectify you know, objectively judge these things art, which you can't do the under red under the red sky one has the nod, but this version on the, again, the, the, the bootleg one pierced my heart in a way that I never would have expected. And again, that was something never meant to even be released. And, you know, that was something that he did in a recording studio somewhere and then discarded and only because bootleggers make pretty good stuff and it got out and it found its it found its way to that CD and got put for sale in a record store that I could get to in that day and bring it. And I had the money to get it and it looked more interesting than the other ones that were for sale. And I got it and it hit me at the exact moment I needed to hear it. It's like just the, the serendipity of that just is just sort of breathtaking. Yeah. You, you know, you telling that story reminds me of uh I was an angry young man, and when I heard "Idiot Wind," I I, I, um, oh, I identified yeah. a lot with that. I was like, I'd love, and then a lot of people like the New York version better, the sadder version, but not me. I, I was all in on that <laughs> that rage and anger, you know. That's thankfully has subsided over the years, but at, mm-hmm. at the, it, I think it's a kind of a similar thing with the different versions and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said it's it's an absolutely wonderful song, and I am so glad that we had a chance to talk about it, and I'm so glad that you. Uh, picked it now are you like the next time you come back are we doing more under the red sky are you just well, sticking in it are you you, you know, know it's funny you mentioned that because i thought coming in you know i have the most smallest niche of of songs that i've covered so they, it would be under the red sky songs featuring guitar legends so we have george harrison under the red sky we got stevie ray vaughn here and then uh you know Ray Paget was on my corner because you guys did Cats in the Well with Jimmy Vaughn. And I'm like, hold mm. on a minute there, guys. This is my corner. <laughs> Working my side of the street. H- however, Wiggle Wiggle with Slash is still out there. So <laughs> we got Slash on Wiggle Wiggle still left to cover. So <laughs> maybe okay. that's the next one. I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about this off air. So, well, uh, Eric, uh, thank you so much for coming back again. I really enjoyed talking to you when we did the Under the Red Sky. And so, when you wrote and said you want to come back, I thought it was great. And it just lined up perfectly that, you know, I don't, I don't worry too much about coming up with episodes that are specific to dates because the show is just sort of fluid and the calendar dates are meaningless anyway. And, and uh, from my uh, tracking, uh, a lot of people pick and choose what shows they listen to. I think depending on songs or guests, and then they go back and listen to other ones later. So it's, it's not even like people, a lot of people listen to these in order anyway. So the dates are kind of meaningless, but I did want to, I thought what would be a nice way to, to end 2022, uh, which was a big year for, for Bob and a big year for, well, big year for me, certainly. Sure. Uh, I thought, so let's end it with one of my favorites. And so I'm glad we got a chance to do this. Well, I was a little nervous. You know, you mentioned 2022, you know, I, I feel like 2022 was the year Paul Dillon went big time. You had Stephen Hyden on, who's one of my favorite rock writers. You had David Wilde interview Don was uh, for your show. And then to top it all off, you had one of your guests 
uh, in, uh, you know, trading DMs on Instagram with Tony Gagne, and then <laughs> you got quotes from Tony Gagne on on your shows. <laughs> pretty so good. You, I think you're probably one step from someone going to Bob and say, "Hey, Bob, uh, can you tell us what was going on when you recorded? They killed him. So, so I'm going to be on uh, Bob Dylan. So what was going on there?" <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, I'd be happy to have uh, Tony or Bob any or Don was anybody on the show. Of course, yes, I am very fortunate though. I've had a, a number of really terrific guests all my guests are always terrific it's always a fun conversation yeah. but some some of them yeah go the extra mile and have contacted people that uh, is this kind of head scratching to me so yeah it's been a, <laughs> it's been a it's been an amazing year uh personally you know i i never really thought i would be a married man and now i am now and it's great and we've yes. been really been enjoying it and so 22 2022 has been a great year it's been great for the show great year for me and i'm looking forward to some new things um, that we have uh, in the works in 2023. And uh, when the, it gets closer to uh, time to announce those things, we will do that. So, oh my, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So again, Eric, um, thank you so much for coming on. And why don't you tell people where they can find you about on the internet? Sure. I, I'm out on Twitter at, at Eric underscore Brightman. All right. Did I ask you when you were on Under the Red Sky, were we doing the sessions question? Do I need to ask no, you that? I, yes, I have not answered that question. Yet. Okay. All right. Go ahead. What's that? What recording session would you want to hear be a, be a fly on the wall for? So Traveling Wilburys Volume 1 is my favorite album of all time. Um, okay. And a lot of people have answered that, but I'm going to put that aside. To me, that's kind of a separate thing. So I'm putting that aside. Um, as we frequently do in, in Dylan Land, I, I thought of a couple of answers for this. My, so I'll give you my top two. My second place answer would be that the 1994 concert he did in Japan with the Dave, the, 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 the orchestra. Oh, the Philharmonic. Oh gosh. Yeah, that's, that would be, have been amazing to have been at that. I, I, I get chills listening to that every time, hmm. but my number one answer, I think is something unique that I don't think I've heard yet, which is my answer is the Minneapolis sessions for blood on the tracks because mm. there's no recording of them. And I want to know what those other versions sound like. And so, you know, when uh, More Blood, More Tracks is coming out, I was very excited because all the New York, there were lots of New York versions out there, not all of them, but many of them. But we were finally going to get to hear the Minneapolis versions. And then when it came out, they don't exist. They're not yeah. out there. And, and if they're not on that, my guess is they don't exist anywhere or they're rotting away somewhere, which is unfortunate. Um, you betcha. Mm, yeah. So that would that, be amazing. That's, that's a great answer. answer. That's a great answer. That would be, it would have been amazing. It would have been amazing. To, to, yeah. to, and, and the story of how that came about with his brother just picking yeah. up some session musicians. Imagine being some guy who lives in Minnesota and Duluth or wherever they were and saying, Oh, can you show up at so and so? There's someone who wants to record with you. And then you show up and hey, it's Bob Dylan. And not only are you recording with Bob Dylan, you're recording Blood on the Tracks. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great, that's a terrific answer. Awesome. Very good. So, well, again, Eric, thank you so much for, for coming back on, man. I always appreciate it. And, uh, everybody, if you want to find all the back episodes, uh, for this show, go to our website, findwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show at any podcatcher of your choice. And if you want to support Pod Dylan, uh, over on Patreon, please go to patreon.com slash FW podcasts, like these fine folks did. Robert Ward, Steve Cronin, Max Hutzel, George Doherty, Joaquin Meckel, Paul Ruther, and Henry Bernstein. So, uh, that is going to do it again. Have a great, Happy and safe new year, everybody, and we will see you in 2023. Bye. Yeah. Well, my daddy, he didn't leave me too much. You know, he's a very simple man, and uh, he didn't leave me a lot. But what he told me was this. He did say, son, he said, uh, he said so many things, you know. He said, you know, it's possible to become so defiled in this world that your own mother and father will abandon you. And if that happens, God will always believe in your own ability to mend your own ways. Thank you.